Hello, welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, we're coming to you after Liverpool <laughs> went to Villa Park and just like decided to wind everybody up in the history of football by scoring two late goals instead of one this time and coming away with a 2-1 win. And to have a chat through that and laugh at everybody else's heads falling off and the big, big, big one coming up after Genk, obviously. Um, I've got Just Chief out in Berlin tonight. Neil Patterson, how you doing, mate? Dead on, mate. Dead on, mate. Nice to, nice to chat to you. Great, uh, great way to win. Obviously, last-minute winner is always the best way to win. So, yeah, the mighty Reds have done it again and looking forward to having a wee chat about it. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. I'm doing great. Um, it's the best I've felt all weekend. Thanks very much for asking. Um, Good. So, Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Better than Monday night. Um, so, um, Steve, we'll just, we'll just get right into it. I don't know about you, but I... Some people think we laboured and some people could maybe were concerned about performances of individual players, but like I watched it back again today and what I saw was a really dominant performance and like the energy we had in the last 25-30 minutes of the game was unbelievable. The last 25-30 minutes of the game was like the last five minutes of any other game where they were just, they were hoofing it anywhere. They couldn't wait to get rid of the ball. They couldn't find a man. They were finding touch more often than anything else. And it was just constant pressure. And we turned the screw and turned the screw. And the thing that I loved was we didn't panic. We didn't start lumping the ball into the box. We didn't start shooting from outside the area. We didn't need to bring on the fucking fabled plan B, which I've always thought the biggest pile of bollocks ever. But we just kept playing our game. And... We trusted in the match winners that we have and the way that we play and the intensity that we showed. And you just can't fucking keep this team down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was, I mean, it was one of those games, wasn't it? It was. It didn't look like it was going to happen for a while, but uh, at the same time, you never, you never really thought it wasn't going to happen. At the same, you know. Uh, I think that's fair to say. It's, it's, it's mental, isn't it? Yeah. It's mental. I mean, it just kept going later and later, and, but it, 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 you still never thought it wasn't going to happen. And it, and then it did. And, you know, last kick of the game, basically, or, or almost. Uh, and we've, we've won it with a with a, a delightful header. You look at that header. Mental. How he, it's stunning. How he manages to angle it between the two defenders as well. Like I mean, there's a... It's just a tiny gap. That just takes a little nick off either of them. It's not going in. Um, but yeah, it's just just perfect in the way he, he glances. I mean, you know, I was, I was listening to, so I think it was Gold on Sunday, maybe this morning, and Chris Kamara said, it's not it's not the best ball in, but Mane makes it a great ball. And, you know, there's probably a little bit in that, but at the same time, it's... It did. It, it was a little bit of the corner corner taken quickly, Origi. It had a, it had a smell of that about it as well. Like um, the well, thing is, see if I saw there was one that was almost identical in the first half, which I think Mings clears off the line, or it, it hits him like in the six yard box. 
but it's yeah. almost identical, but from the other side. It's the same header that's a little bit behind Manny, but he just gets that lovely glance on it, and you can see it's he, just going right in the bottom corner. He likes that header. He, he scored a couple like that already in his, yeah. in his career, and he's missed a few that he probably would feel that he should have scored. Um, he likes that sort of rub uh, beyond the near post, uh, just sort of, well, that exact type of, of header, just glancing it and getting the angle right into the far corner, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was an absolute bit of a dog of a game for us, you know, as, as fans to watch. I mean, I mean, I think we were talking pre-pod and they they didn't really create much. They, um, they could, they... They play well. They they create that chance well from the um, the free kick, and they they overload that side and they uh, take advantage. And you know, but after, after that, they don't really create much. Um, Allison doesn't have really too much to do. There one or two scares, but nothing that you'd really hang your hat on and say Liverpool were, were really lucky to keep it at one 0 there. Um, and yeah, we just kept knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door. We had loads of possession. We weren't at our best, of course, but, you know, as you can see from the way we got the goals and how late they came, um, we we didn't give up. We kept doing what we do. And it's a great ball from Mane. And funnily enough, he that, that's a goal that he almost scores earlier on. Um, yeah, the, the one that I think, does it, does it head heating in the face? Just under the face, I think, top of the shoulder, kind of thing. Right. He's doing one of those Schmeichel-esque star jump things, and to be fair to him, he does really well. Um, but, you know, it's a carbon copy, basically, uh, Robertson's, but he's, he's just not quite as close in, so he, and, he, and he meets it, you know. Really. Yeah, it's a bullet header, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. He meets it at full speed, so there's, there's just no stopping it. And you just knew... You know, Andy Robertson knew as well. You know, a celebration is right. Let's 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 get back to the to the halfway line and, and get the second. Yeah, celebration is a race is back in the own half. Exactly. Um and from then you weren't you know, you weren't gonna write it write us off. And I thought, you know, Trent was gonna score the winner with the free kick, but in the end that gets deflected over and we score from the from the corner. Yeah, it's. I don't even. It's 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 goals from fullbacks. See, if I I I I said at the start of the season I wanted to see more goals from fullbacks, and we're starting. You know, to... we're starting to see it a little bit, and goals from midfield as well. We're starting to see also Waxley Chamberlain. You know, had three in his three in his last three now, and he hasn't he hasn't played ninety yet. He's he's unlucky when he has like eight shots and four and a half seconds there at one point in the second half as well and <laughs> you know it's him, it's him it's his burst through that uh, and carrying the ball that sets up the free kick that sets up the corner that sets up the goal so you yeah. know and that's, that, that is something we have been missing a little bit it's not so much people t- people talk about our midfield and, and, and we probably go into it a bit more you know they say oh that's creativity and that, our midfield we've got loads of midfielders and let's be quite clear about this. The midfielders we have to, to call on at our disposal, that that pool does not lack creativity. At certain points, we, we pick midfields to do certain jobs, and 
um, you know, the our midfield has not been not been set up to be massively creative. What it's been set up to do is to allow two fullbacks to play essentially as wingers and facilitate that. And therefore, those fullbacks are not only getting not only breaking records for assists, but as you just said, they're not also contributing with goals. So, if you've got a mid central midfield is all thinking about creating chances and and, and you know go forward, forward, forward. Well, you're not going to get the same output from those fullbacks because they're not going to be able to have the freedom to play so high. So, you know, Oxlade Chamberlain, we've 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 always had him. Well, we've had him for the last two seasons, but he's been injured, and we saw when he was fit what he what he added to that midfield, or what, what his his particular influence on that midfield was bursting forward, beating players, playing direct, scoring goals, shooting from outside the box, and he's brought it right back. Because look at the goals he's scoring. I mean, he didn't play very well against Arsenal, but some goal. Absolutely, so cool. <laughs> it's unreal, wasn't it? It was fucking brilliant. It was. It's a, ru- it's a r- ruthless finish. I think they call that. What? It's a ruthless finish. I think uh, they call that. The way he flicks it up, and just buries it like you know. And the thing is, you know, as soon as he flicks it up, it's going in. Yeah, it's one of them. Um, and I think he's got a bit of that about him. You know, he's, he's starting to show that, and that's brilliant. Abu Kaida as well. We've also quietly had him for a couple of seasons. But he's not really been at our disposal. Starting to get back into it, <coughs> starting to see him more and more frequently, even just off the bench, and starting in, in the Champions League. I think we'll we'll see him again. But people point again to the to the Arsenal game. Oh, kind of looks well. Well, it's not his. It wasn't his kind of game at all. It was the most chaotic game of football you're you're probably ever likely to see. You can watch a hundred matches, and none of them would be like that one. Um, the midfield was almost totally bypassed. The the lack of cohesion for either team, the lack of a base for either team, it was so frenetic to expect somebody who's in and out of the team and, and, and had a long injury layoff and is just coming back to be able to stamp their authority in a game like that is, is, is a bit rich, to be honest. But we've seen gradually as he has come back in in, in, in the other games, He's helped. He's begun to dictate play. I mean, people were talking about him um, possibly having being man of the match after a ten minute cameo a couple of weeks ago. Again, he comes on ten minutes ago. This time, we're chasing the game of one nil down when he comes on with two one at the end. You know, contributed again, and we we have this. We, we uh, Chamberlain's contribution directly to the final goal we, we just mentioned. So we do have this in our midfield lockup. Locker, we don't need to create new midfielders and we don't need to worry that we've got no creativity from midfield. We've got it. We've got goals as well from there when we want, when we choose to call upon that. Yeah, I think the thing with fullbacks as well, Chief, is the fullback position has evolved to a point now with this Liverpool team where previously we had an attacking fullback like your your Cafus or Roberto Carlos's or whoever you want to site in there as a reference point a lot of the time it was one fullback went and the other tucked in the left back went and the right back tucked in or vice versa and you'd have your three at the back with your six in front 
But what we have is we have two back, two fullbacks who both go at the same time and constantly stay high and constantly switch the ball to one another in and around approaching the final third of the pitch. And that allows us to make the pitch absolutely massive. And it allows us to stretch teams constantly and wear teams down both physically and mentally. And the two midfielders, like I saw Henderson playing practically as right back in the second half when he moved deeper into the sixth position, but he was practically just covering Trent and allowing him to use that weapon that he has of that delivery, that cross-field pass. And we've talked about, people have talked about moving him in the midfield, but I think that what you get from him in that position, and Carragher cited it the other week on Sky where he's like Kevin De Bruyne, but 10 yards back. And that's, that's an, that's a fairly accurate description because it's not a dissimilar area of the pitch that he likes to operate in. And if you have someone with that capability of delivery and that range of passing where you can switch it, you know, 50, 60 yards. He played one, he played one first time pass to Robertson in the first half. And Robertson was like probably 20 yards in the byline. He just pings it first time right under Robertson's foot. And he's inside the villa half. And we get in down that side, and it's such a weapon. And their average positions are higher than anybody else. And there's a consideration to have here about we should probably reinvent what that position's actually called. Yeah, I mean, certainly the way we, we play it. I mean, the city like to play it in a, in a similar style, not quite exactly the same. But well, their fullbacks operate more like. Well, certainly last season, Mendy withstanding more like holding midfielders nearly. Yeah, they often tuck in and come into in the midfield. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the, I mean Trent's average position, particularly Trent. I mean, Robbo's as well, although he, he tends to to get up and down a little bit more. But Trent's Trent's average position is is firmly. Firmly in the opposition half. I mean, the fullback is is the nominal name. It's a number eight position, surely, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, almost, almost. And he, you're right. He has that delivery. He's got the delivery to put in the box, but he's also got he's also got the the vision and 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 the quality to to switch it. And he's got the the ability to play those punched passes in defeat as well, which. Um, which are so so handy for uh, for the front three to pop off and just link the play. So is he? So I mean, he's got he's he's, he's got everything. I mean, Trent Trent's a, a top. He's a top player already. And what age is he? I mean, I don't know. Twenty is it? Is he even? Yeah, just turned twenty one. Just turned twenty one. I mean, you would think as well because he's the way he's developing, and he's it's not like he's a. He's, he's done millions of games at, at a really young age or anything. You would think that he's got a long career ahead of him and he's going to get better and better, certainly over the next three, four seasons. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that people have talked about moving him into midfield and I can understand why. And to see, to be fair, there might be a stage in, in, a, in his career where he, where he does move into midfield, but it absolutely cannot be in that team. No, and it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be. He fits this team and this role absolutely perfectly. 
and he'll only grow in to his position at the same, you know. He's got a lot of experience now already. He's, he's been in two Champions League finals. He's a Champions League winner. He's a Super Cup winner. He's played, what is it, 50 league games now for Liverpool? Wasn't that the, the, the milestone? That, he reached? that was a hundred. No, it was, it was 100 games yesterday. 100 games, sorry. 100 games for Liverpool under his belt. That's a healthy amount for a 21-year-old. It's not mad. Like Fabregas had fucking 400 by then or something, probably. <laughs> 100 games by 16 or something. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's a, it's healthy. It's, it's a lot of experience. It's good experience. And he will only grow into that role more and more and more and more. Because, you know, there's a lot. Okay, so... Apparently, this was something that was targeted. Apparently, this is something that was behind the scenes that they talked about, the coaches and Trent and all, basically saying, look, there's a gap here at right back, you know, and if you, there's not many players ahead of you, there's, and if you, you know, maybe you should think about adapting your position. And they targeted it, and it's worked. And the, the, he's improved again and again, game by game, season by season. He's an amazing weapon to have, and you're absolutely right. It's really a nominal position to say that he's a he's a right back or even that he's a full back. He operates mostly in the opposition half. He operates. Um, he, he he's almost a quarterback at times. He can be a quarterback. Yeah. In terms of the way he passes the ball, in terms of the way he sprays the ball, plenty of times you'll see the Liverpool fullbacks again in Vertigo switch sides so play on the left. Half the time, he's capable of playing anywhere across there. So saying, oh, he has to move into midfield. Well, what are you really saying? He's not. He's not going to go further forward really from midfield than he than he does now. Um, and what you, you're not going to play him actually in central midfield now, are you? I mean, who who are you going to take out of there, and, and why are you going to upset that balance? And who, and who are you going to play at right back? And what is the point in, in any of that? You know, maybe. And what sort of right back? What sort of right back are you going to have to pick if you are going to have to play in that position? If you're playing Trent, where let's say Jordan Henderson plays, because you're not, because you're not asking you're not asking Trent with his ability to do what Jordan Henderson does. No, you're not. Of course, you're not. asking the fullback to do what Jordan Henderson does, so that Trent has the space and the license to create. Exactly. So you're just you're just you're switching it for absolutely no reason. You're changing the whole ethos of how your team actually attacks, and it it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it might be a it, it's just a logical. It's one of those logical fallacies. It's like this should make sense. He should move in the midfield. He's good enough to play there. We would be better because it would be more creative. But sort of ignores the, the knock on effects and, and what it would actually have. But yeah, and we're talking we're talking old money positions here. We're talking an old we're talking Firmino's a number nine. He's not. He's not. Firmino's a center Firmino's not a center forward. You know? I mean, how do we generally play? When you when you when you look at us, you've got you've got Virgil and when it's our first choice eleven, Virgil and Matt generally would sit just just above the halfway line. Fabinho patrolling a little bit in front of that and the rest are just all up. So what are you playing? A 2-1 two, 2-1-7? Two, 2-1-6? Two, it's like a 2 I, I think it's like a 2-1-2-5 two, two, I, I think I 
looking at Arsenal like because you have those you've you've Wijnaldum and you've you've Wijnaldum and Henderson playing deeper than than Robertson and Trent. That's, yeah, you do, you do. It's a two. It's you're right. It's a two one two five. That's what I would. Yeah. Or if you want a two one two three two, because you've 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 Firmino dropping into that ten position, you've got your your two centre forwards who are actually your two wingers and. But quite often, quite often, you'll find that, and we've seen it again today or this weekend, that the fullbacks are the furthest forward. Yeah, you know they're 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 wingers, they're they're inside forwards. I don't know what what you want to call them, but we're still kind of we're still referring to we're still referring to modern football and particularly this team and probably Guardiola's team as well to a certain extent as as. As almost like you talk about when you're when you're when you were playing a four four two in nineteen eighty five. The biggest misnomer I think I suppose with those two teams is to start off by saying four. <laughs> well, yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, because really they only play the both of them only play with two centre backs, and that's generally how it works. So you should really start by saying two and go from there. <laughs> but uh, but that is that is true because because. The idea of four makes it, you know, puts puts the very much the thought of of old school football in your in your mind. And a lot of listen, a lot of teams in in the Premier League do still operate that way. But plenty of teams don't. Plenty of teams now, you know, do try and follow the the other model, the Guardiola model, the Klopp, Klopp model, the the models that that they operate and and other managers do too. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's really a moot point. It doesn't does it really matter? I mean, as long as Trent's on the pitch and delivering. I mean, we're not we're certainly not losing anything playing him at, at right back, given that he he had the record assists last year. Like are we? No, all you really need to do for Trent is engineer a way where you can get him time and space on the ball in areas of the pitch where he can hurt the opposition. And playing him the way we play him and surrounding him with the players that we surround him with, and I'm talking about Jordan Henderson here, where he will willingly do the unselfish job of filling in at right back, covering across, pressing with him, giving the simple ball to him and, and making runs to create space for him, where he knows fine right he's not getting the ball. But that... And, and then, and then also with Salah pushing high and inside, where that space can then be created for him to to take up that position where he can be so fucking dangerous, and that's all we need to do, and that's what we do the way the the system, if you want to call it that, that we play, because there's no point putting three numbers to it because that's not really football anymore, is it? Unless you're Sam Allardyce, but again, that's not really football either. Um, we do that and in that without the rigidity I suppose that that old old money football terminology would dictate a team would have to play where's the fullback why is he not at fullback etc etc we create well, that position the idea, the idea of being out of position is, is a totally different thing of course you can still be out of position but it's it's not the 
the predetermined position that was drawn on the on the board before you started. It's it's the position that you're meant to be in at a particular point, you know, where because the ball is in this quadrant and and so on. And that's the thing. And the and and when you're when they talk about out of position, we still talk about out of position in reference to when when we don't have the ball, we should look like four three three. That's what they say. That's what that's what the concept is. That's what the human brain tells you through all the history of football. Yeah. But actually, when we lose the ball, where we should be is in a position where we can counter press the opposition and stop the break, and that is going to be determined by where we lose the ball on the pitch and where the ball is on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. So, so to say that we're out of a position in any particular scenario, you're going to have to sit and look at that probably two or three phases of play back to understand if they are out of position or not. And you're probably going to have to sit down and talk with Pep Lenders and Jurgen Klopp. They ask, actually, are they out of position? Because I don't fucking know. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why a lot of the talk around football these days is, is behind and needs to catch up quite quickly. But uh, that's another that's another point, I suppose. But, um, I, mean, what, I mean, what do you think? I, to, to be honest, I just thought, you know, it's a game that... It's the game, as I said, that I never thought we would lose going into it. I thought it would be tough. It turned out to be tighter, and obviously, than 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 anyone really thought. But you know, it's it's a it's a really it's a really good game to win and a good way to win it. And you know, almost despite the the kind of ridiculous the ridiculous calls we've been we've been getting and, and stuff, it's just it's great to see that this this team really. Will not be, will not be stopped. Will not be beaten. Will not be kept down. No, for me, chief, it was. Uh, how do we, how do we chuckle to myself when I saw the team sheet? I mean, I was pretty sure Fabinho wouldn't play, but I was like, he's picked Lalana in the six. After all the talk during the week, oh, will the Lalana experiments failed? And Jurgen's went, here, what's this? Lalana six. Nobody ever, it was like, who's playing sex? Probably Jamie. Maybe Henderson, probably Jamie. Never even, never even crossed anybody's mind a conversation or, or entered any conversation. So I had a chuckle to myself now that if, at that point when everybody's head would be falling off. And I thought the first half of the midfield didn't really work with him there. He can, he can move the ball well. He can move the ball quickly. He's got a lot of qualities in there that could be used in a six. But the bottom line is in that midfield, he's just not physical enough and he's just not strong enough and he's just not positionally aware enough of... He's of, an open door. Yeah, that's it. It's, it. You know what? It's kind of like... It's kind of like watching Fernandinho try and play centre-half for City. Yeah. Where you know he's got this... You know he is could be capable of it. But the fact is, he's played in a position most of his career where there's someone behind him. Or there's two layers behind him, as in Lalana's case, where he knows he's got his defensive midfielder there or holding midfielder or whatever. And, you know, he's got a centre-half or two as well. And he's only got the two centre-halves. And a lot of the time there, he didn't even have the two centre-halves beside him when he was picking up possession. And... That's a really fucking hard position to play. He only had one and a half to start with, and because Deja started, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a hard position to play in that team. Like that's a high pressure position where you just cannot lose the ball, you cannot give the ball away, and you absolutely cannot be dispossessed. And 
it's when you're pressed high and Villa were good. I thought Villa pressed really, really well. Um, they were organised and their press was coordinated and and they caused us problems. And, and Alana was dispossessed a number of times. And it worked much better in the second half when Henderson dropped in there and Alana went forward. But throughout the game, you know, I watched it back and I thought we were really good. Like I did. I thought we were really, really good. I thought, I thought certainly without the ball, we were really good. We gave up probably one, maybe two clear-cut opportunities from open play. One where Van Dyke clears it when it's pulled back, the ball over the top to Trent. And if you want to count the Trezeguet one in the first half, he lashes it into the, into the stand. I'll, I'll let you have it. I don't recall another one at the moment. And we were absolutely dominant. I think I saw earlier on it was our, our best XG away from home in terms of goals against and goals for. Where the first time we were over two goals XG and it was like 0.78 or something against. So um, I think I've seen us getting better. I've seen us, I've seen us get, I've seen us play probably the best game of the season against Leicester a few weeks ago. I thought against Spurs, we were excellent after going behind early. I thought against Villa, although there were a number of poor performances. thought Manny in the first half was poor. thought the midfield didn't quite work in the first half. I thought Salah was pretty anonymous throughout. Not that he had a bad game, he just couldn't really get himself involved. And for me, he didn't have his best day, but I thought we were so dominant. We were so controlled. And um, I just feel so secure and that team almost looks like they feel so secure that we know the right things to do and we're not going to panic and we know if we keep doing it and keep doing it it's going to come and just keep it's it's that discipline to keep doing the right things and that mentality to keep doing the right things and then Oxley at Chamberlain come on Chief and I think you know I could talk a bit about him because he looks so fit and he's maybe trying a little bit too hard at the minute and he's maybe trying a little bit too much maybe to impress but the thing that I've taken away from his last few performances and particularly when he came on on Saturday he looks so fucking sharp he's so fast and quick and strong and energetic about the pitch and in comparison to Kaida I think that's why he is closer to breaking in there than, than Naby is because physically he just looks absolutely on it if not quite tactically just yet, and in his decision making. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're, they're quite different sort of types of player in, in a way. Um, I mean, they both kind of have that going past a man and, and hitting a shot from distance in them. Although Chamberlain's a, a little bit more dynamic with it, but Kyra's also got the got the ability to really hold on to the ball and 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 get it back and recycle it and really dictate the, the pace of the game as well. I mean, I think I think you're actually right. Chamberlain looks sharp as attack. Um, he's he's ready to go. He's raring to go. And I think we'll see him against Genk. Uh, we'll probably see both of them against Genk. We might come on and talk about that a little bit later. But, but I think, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see uh, Oxley Chamberlain. Um, he's coming on more and more regularly in the Premier League and he's starting the, the Cup games. So... 
I don't see that pattern changing this week. And we'll probably see him against City uh, in some some capacity because he's made the difference and been decisive. Well, made the difference against him before and, and, and made decisive contributions, telling contributions against him before. And he's a, he's again that he's that wild card. I mean, they're different players and they operate in different ways, but he's a little bit. I mean, we're talking about Sane being there, sort of wild card a wee bit in in, in terms of um, pace and and direct kind of running and and shooting. And Chamberlain's a little bit like that for us. He is the one from the midfield that's going to break the lines and, and, and smash one in from 20 yards. Or I mean, some of the goals he scored already just coming back are delightful. I mean, He doesn't score a bad goal, does he? He doesn't seem to, no. He really doesn't seem to. Um, so, you know, that's, that, that can, can only be, be good for us. Um, yeah, I mean, there were a number of, of performances that were a little below par. I think I think we massively we've mentioned the Lalana thing. I think more so Fabinho's are very, very big boots to fill at the moment. I think he's probably our our linchpin right at this point. And he, he, he as you said earlier, he's the best number six in the world or certainly playing like it at the moment. Um, I think it's a big I think he's a big reason second half of last season that we we seem to we seem to go up another level as a team. And again this season, again. But yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, as he becomes more and more settled in that in that role, uh, he looks to to get better and better every week, almost. And and that's a that's a massive difference. I think everybody suffers then. I think Salah's not necessarily one hundred percent fit. Um, you know, I think um, Villa played well. They pressed hard. They were really fucking energetic. They. Had a plan. They stuck to it completely. They worked their goal well. They scored, and they made us really, really work for it. But as you said, they, you felt assured. But it seemed to me the players felt assured that they they were going to manage that. They were going to just keep going and, and eventually win the game. And it's really amazing to be in that in that position as a Liverpool fan and to watch your team. Feel that they're in that position as well, especially after what we've been through over the last, you know, re- in, in the recent past. Um, so, yeah, long may continue, and, and I think it will. And you know, we've got a relatively straightforward game now coming up in the Champions League, Touchwood, and then five days break to uh, to the big one against City next week. Yeah, all right. I've been holding off. Let's do the VAR thing. I well, I mean, I mean, I can think- I start off, Chief? Can I start off by saying, right? I actually think let's let's set the bar aside just for a second. I actually think Joel Moss was quite good, apart from booking Sadio Mane. You mean apart from apart from booking Mane? But at the same time, I, I can I can understand why he booked Mane because it's one of those ones. John Henderson put this quite well a few weeks ago. It's one of those ones where it's a dive and it's a penalty. Yeah, but it's it's not really. I I, I know where Johnny's coming from with that because he he doesn't have. It's not something that would necessarily make you go down. So he has to dive to go down. Yeah, but it's definitely a penalty. Yeah, but I think that's so, more. The thing is with with like I mean, we'll start with that one, shall we? But again, but but that's, again, like, that's more. That's on the that's on the that's on the var. That's for that, me. That's that, on the VAR. That, that is on the VAR. But let let let's take the VAR. So last week that happens. 
Martin Atkinson, uh, refereeing uh, the Palace game. Can't remember who they were playing. I can't remember now. But he books. Uh, Wilf- yeah, he books Wilfred Zaha for diving. So the uh, VAR has a look at it and go, no, dickhead, that's a penalty. So he has to rescind the yellow card and give give the penalty. So why didn't why didn't that happen this time? Well, I'll tell you why. Martin Atkinson, VAR referee. That's why. Yeah, well, that was the thing I thought about. That was the thing I enjoyed about Moss were. All, all of the all of the tackles that, that Atkinson gave as a free kick at Old Trafford against us, Moss let them all go. And he let them go for Villa too. He 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 allowed it to be a physical encounter. And I think that that yeah, plays into our was, hands a little bit. It wasn't ridiculous. I mean, for me, I don't like John Moss as a I don't referee. like I don't like him either. I, I, I don't, don't like him as a referee. I don't think he's very good, but I don't think he had a particularly bad game yesterday. No. That, and that was my point. I think yeah. this is, I think what we're going to talk about, my point here is what we're going to talk about. It's all on the guy sitting up in the studio and it's not on the technology and it's not on the computer and it's not on the fucking video cameras. It's on the guy sitting in the studio. Exactly. And that guy is our old friend, Martin, Martin fucking Atkinson. Atkinson. And listen, we did a bit about Martin Atkinson last week because he reft he reft us against United a couple of weeks ago, and we said that he didn't give us a free kick, didn't award us a foul in 50, 50 minutes spanning the the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Right? We know for a fact everyone who's ever watched a football match knows that's impossible. Right? So we're we're taking this from a from a position of we've already had words about it now. He sees, first of all, he sees that Mane gets his foot stamped on. So at the very least, he should be telling Moss, listen, might not be, you might not, might not need to overrule you for a penalty, but you should be rescinding that yellow card because it's not a dive. So he's, he's not done that. Now we'll get to the real crux of it and the thing that for once, everybody in pundit land actually agrees with us Liverpool fans for, for once. Firmino's armpit supposedly being offside. So, despite the fact that it's quite clear that you cannot score a goal with your armpit, because if it hits your armpit, it's going to be a judge to have hit your arm. And with the new interpretations of the handball rule, any touch, no matter how slight, of an attacking player's arm that subsequently leads to a goal, the goal will be disallowed. We've seen that already several times in the league this season, and that's stated quite clearly. So, that part of his body cannot be offside in the first place. When you then see that they've actually doctored the lines and drawn them twice, okay, that doesn't look good. Okay, you can say maybe they're not quite sure and blah, 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 blah. But then when you see that they've drawn the red line at a backwards gradient towards Firmino to make it just about marry up with his armpit, but it actually looks more like his bicep, you know they're cheating you. You know, at the end of the day, they're cheating you. And this is this is a this is something that needs to be called out. It's something that needs to be examined, and the the, the, the referee involved should face the consequences. I think the thing here as well, Chief, is that we know a lot of the referees are not very good. We know actually, probably all bar one are borderline if not fairly incompetent and that's fine 
I don't. I can. I can deal with incompetence when referees are in, as equally incompetent with both teams on the pitch. Yeah. But the thing is here, and you're going to give me some statistics because I can't remember them, and you looked them up earlier. That when Martin Atkinson referees Liverpool games, there is a huge anomaly in the subsequent results of those games in comparison to every other referee in the Premier League. Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, we looked it up earlier and when um, when Martin Atkinson referees Liverpool matches on average in the last couple of seasons, we have won 50% of those games, one in two. When uh, other referees referee Liverpool, we win four out of five. Um, it's, it's quite a significant, um, quite a significant, quite a significant uh, difference. Um, you only, you don't have to cast your mind back too far to think of some some massive, massive decisions that um, or critical decisions that, that Atkinson hasn't given our way. There's the Naby Keita uh, penalty last season against Leicester. Um, we draw that game 1-1. Um, I think he's been in charge. Um, he was in charge for something like four of the draws that we had last season, something like that. Um, and it's just... Yeah. Uh, Leicester at home being one of those, which we had the, the Naby Keita penalty. Yeah. Exactly, and uh, or and sorry, that, not penalty because yeah. it was Martin Atkinson. Yeah, because Martin Atkinson, and and it, it it's it's a regular thing. It, it happens all the time. It's been happening for years, and it's getting more and more pronounced. And when you've actually got somebody drawing lines that are clearly at an angle to to try and show someone's armpit is offside when you can't even score from your that that's that's getting to be a problem. You know, it's gone beyond. He, he, he's a homer. Here, with that one, or 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 he, he's trying to stick it to the crowd or whatever. You you sort of got him actually lying and kind of doctoring evidence and stuff. So this really needs to be nipped in the bud. And I know I know that you can get referees. You know you can have words and, and, and stop having to to basically deal with them for a period of time. Ferguson was famous for it. Um, we need to do that with him because he's. He's he's having a seriously detrimental effect. Whenever you look at the the margins involved here, whenever you look at the fact that he lost the league by one point last season, and there you know he's he's he seems to be constantly involved in games involving us. Rumors are that he's got the city game next week. That better just be a, a rumor at this point. It's got to be Oliver. It's got to be. It's it the biggest game up. in the Premier League in God knows how long, and he is by far oh, it's not even close. He's the only competent ref, and he's not—he's not perfect by any stretch. He's still capable of his own howlers, but he's the only one that you, you trust, really, to 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 try and, and administer and 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 deliver a good performance. Because he, the others are—I mean, you can't name another one that that's really fit for purpose. I mean, you, no, Mariner's shade. Tierney, yeah, Shay, Kavanagh is potentially the worst of all of them. Pawson, Moss, Kavanagh, they're all shite. Taylor. Yeah, Taylor, rubbish as well. Anthony fucking Greater Manchester, Taylor. Yeah, I um, mean, 
it's shocking. I mean, we used to, you used to have at least your man Clattenburg, who was decent for a while, but he's gone as well. Um, Oliver, I rate. He's the only one I would really rate, and hopefully we get him. But if we if we keep getting stuck with this Atkinson cunt, seriously, we need to. Klopp needs to be have, having a word. Just needs to be putting a little bit of pressure on in, in the press conferences and stuff, and and just dropping a few, a few lines. Just just like just like Ferguson used to, because it's you know, it's too much. When you see it on a consistent basis with the same the same player, and it's not a. It's not a new thing. I mean, this is something that, you know, the likes of Robbie Fowler and whatever are commented on. These are ex-pros. They know the referees and, and, and so on. So it is. It, it has very much become a thing. Yeah, it, it has become a thing. And as, as we've talked about, VAR hasn't... The only thing that VAR has done is exposed how poor Premier League referees actually are. Actually That's all are. it is. And, yeah. and the, the other thing... It's exposed that they are willing to essentially lie to 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 cover for themselves and each other. So and it's also yeah, and it's also exposed the Premier League by coming out and justifying the decision by feeding us these lines of bullshit constantly, which ends up resulting in there being no accountability for referees. Absolutely, and that's why we're in the fucking mess we're in with this sort of. That's why that's why the the standard of refereeing will not improve in this country until there is some form of accountability handed out in any other area of business. If you, if you are not a good... If you are as incompetent a football manager as any of those referees the last six months in the job, if you are as incompetent a footballer, you will find another club because you will be sold. And well, we that's... Go, we go right down the list of any profession. If a plumber comes and does a job in my house as incompetently as those guys yeah, referee, I, I tell, I'll, I'll tell you a job you won't, you won't get sacked from, and that's a policeman. You know, essentially what I'm trying to say is that, um, and 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 they'll cover up for you no matter how fucked up you are and how much you fuck up your shit. That that institution will cover up for you. And referee, the referees' association is is, is just like that. They are an institution and they seek to protect their members and themselves from any form of criticism. And they've managed to successfully set up that situation somehow. And we talked before, and of course, there needs to be some level of protection, but you're 100% right. We're in this position where bad referees are now drawing crooked lines to, to, to back up bad decisions. Uh, because there is no accountability and there hasn't been any accountability and they, they should face demotion, they should face sanctions, they should face censure like you do in any other profession. And to keep getting the same, seeing the same faces year after year, game after game, whether, no matter what Howler they've made the week before, um, is, is really a bit galling, uh, to be honest. Where's, where's another thing? Where's the, um, where's the diversity? Where the BAME referees, there it seems to be always the same little crowd of, of middle-aged white guys, isn't it? Like it's almost like the it's like the Hodgson, Allardyce, Mark Hughes, yeah, uh, Alan Pardew, continual cycle of managers. The referees merry-go-round. Yeah, and maybe, maybe someone has a right howler and ends up in the championship for a week or something, and then they they're right back in there. No bother, go on, son. 
or gets demoted or or doesn't referee that week and actually do you know what they do? They go on a nice holiday with their fucking, I don't know, whatever it is, like a, a million and a half retainer that they get a season. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a closed shop, it's boxed off, it's it's you know, and those 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 types of institutions naturally lead to institutionalized corruption and that's in a way, what we're, what we're going to end up seeing if we're not seeing it already. And don't want to go too much into it and often want too much. But when you start seeing, when you start seeing diagonal lines saying armpits are offside, then you know that they're, that, that's not right. That's not, it's not, it's not, never mind the spirit of the game. That's not actually the rules either. So. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll leave it there because no doubt, no, no doubt we'll come back to it at some other point during the season. The one thing I will say is, see this scrap, this scrap VAR carry on. It's just, you're, you're pointing, you're pointing the finger in the wrong area. Absolutely. It's the people administering it. It's the terrible, terrible. What it's showing is that these referees cannot look at a screen like me, you, and the other pundits and the other ex-players can. Like everyone else in the country. Everyone can. else in the country. Yeah, that they cannot look at something with and make the right decision. That they are almost almost every time incapable of making the right decision. That's what it's showing us. So what it's really showing us is that Premier League referees are not fit for purpose. But nobody's saying that. <laughs> They're blaming the fucking video camera. Yeah, they're blaming they're blaming a recording of something that's already happened. Yeah, as if that could possibly be the problem. Yeah. It's the person interpreting that still, mate. And he's yeah. the arsehole that is not giving the correct decision for whatever his reasons are, whatever his agenda is. That's it. And we'll also, you know, there, we're not going to go into it now because I, ju- I just want to talk about City for a while. Um, but there's also the... the ridiculous new laws that they've decided to apply VAR against and we could probably go in to the handball decision for quite some time um, that wasn't given that like in, in any other in any other game and certainly if a goal had resulted in that uh, handball it would have been given as a handball because for some reason the handball rule is different in one box than it is in another, even though it's exactly the same sport. And it's probably handball in the Champions League as well. Oh, certainly handball in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, and you've seen those, Kevin. You've seen absolutely those. You know, we can go, we can go back to the handball that United got against Norwich. Um, yeah. And it's just as much of a handball, if not yeah. more. So, anyway... So city then. So city. So it's city. So what? City did not look good against Southampton. No, they didn't. I mean, the thing is with City though, they've obviously not been that great all season because they've already dropped a a good few points, um, more points than they had certainly by this stage last season. Having said that, they probably had an eye on us as well. We weren't that good against Villa. I mean, I think we played well, but. We had a tough game. Um, they probably had an eye on us. We probably had an eye on them. Uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, my mates think it's going to be like last season and Pep's going to come and try and sit in. 
Um, I'm not a hundred percent convinced because I don't think they're good. There's good this season. I don't think their defenses are solid. Um, having said that, it worked last year, and, and and he might might go for it again. I I, th- I have a feeling we, you know, I think we're going to be fully fit. It seems a barred Matip. Lovren is a bit of an issue. It'll probably be Lovren. It's unlikely to be Joe Gomez at this stage. I'm never comfortable when Lovren starts. I'm not gonna. I will never. I probably will never be comfortable when Lovren starts. But um, yeah, he's played against them before, and we've we've beaten them with him in the team. Uh, so I don't think it's too much of a cause for concern. I think we'll beat them. I, I think it'll be. I don't know. It's one of them, isn't it? Last season's games were the only real, real tight ones. Normally, when we play each other, there are fireworks. I don't know this time. I mean, it could be a little bit more circumspect. On the other hand, if either side gets an early goal, it can it can really, you know, catch fire. I'd fancy it's the win. I think we're better than we were last season, and I don't think they're as good as they were. So, yeah, um, I have been like fascinated for weeks over what Pep's going to do because they're not as strong as the back. They're not anywhere near as, as strong at the back as, as they right. were last year. But they didn't, did, did they have company when they came to us? I don't know whether he, pl- did he play? I don't think, I think he was injured for the first half of the season. Wasn't he? Oh, he was perpetually injured, I'm not sure. I would need to go back and look. Um, but, they they certainly had, but they certainly had Laporte. Yeah, they definitely had Laporte. Um, and... They they could equally be looking from the other side of us going, they're not as good as they're not as good at the back as last year, which would probably be a fair enough assessment. But well, we're certainly conceding more goals. Now let's be fair. Now we 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 have what the second best defense in in the league behind behind Sheffield United, I think. So. You know, to say that we're not as good at the back, I, I hope that they think that. But it's it's a strange one. I think the big thing that plays into our hands is he doesn't have Sané to change it. And Sané's always been a thorn in our side. He's always been the danger man when they've played against us. But he doesn't have Sané to change it. Um, he's not comfortable with who he's playing at centre-back. He's just not. And, and the guys that are playing at centre-back aren't particularly comfortable with it either by the looks of things. Um and what you do lose is is if you're going to play Fernandinho there, which you probably will have to, that what do you lose in the midfield? Because Gundogan's just not the same player. As good as he is, he's just not the same player. So, um, we'll play our game because we always play our game and there might be a slight tweak in it, but we'll play our game. But Guardiola, they struggle every time they come to Anfield. And Although they nearly nicked it last year with the penalty, we could easily have won that game of football. Um, there were very few chances in the game. We had the, we had the better of the few. So, I just don't know. I really, really don't know. Well, they're very 
as you said, they're fragile at the back because it's either it's either Otamendi and Stones or it's Fernandinho and and Stones. So if you're looking at that, could he go for? He could, he's gone Fernandinho and Rodri a couple of times. Rodri's injured. Rodri's injured. Oh, per pep. So Rodri's out. He can't play. Um, so you Otamendi out. Otamendi, no Otamendi's fit. So you've either it's either Otamendi. Otamendi and Stones with Fernandinho. I mean, you've got Fernandinho in front then, maybe with, with who? Gundogan. Gundogan, potentially. And then you play De Bruyne, Silva. Yeah, De Bruyne and probably both Silvers, you would imagine. Yeah, you would think so. Certainly David Silva will play. And, uh, and then Aguero up front. And Sterling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it would be it'd be De Bruyne, De Bruyne, David Silva, and then starting in Aguero, wouldn't it? So, I mean, it's strong, but it's not. I mean, can they can they sit in against us? They struggle anyway. They don't like Anfield. The, you know, they had to really spoil last year, and and they got out with a nil nil. Um, they nearly nicked it, but you still didn't fancy Maris to score that, and he didn't. Um, we have to be on it. We mentioned earlier before that we we haven't really been on it yet. If we if we turn up and, and put in a a top Liverpool performance at Anfield, we'll we'll win the game. We really will. Uh, I I think we are getting better. I can see it. I can see it week by week. I think we're getting better. I think we're becoming more more dominant and we're more controlled in games. And I think we get sucked in by, I, I think we get sucked in by assessing performances based on individual players. Um, but I, I, don't feel think, I think we're getting better because I think we're. I think you're right because I think the games are are hard. <laughs> I mean, the other game was was a tough game. They've given everyone that's gone there so far this season a really tough game. Um, including some of the bigger teams, and they were with with City for the for the first half as well. And that was away from home. Um, look at I, I, you know, look at Leicester. I thought at Leicester we were superb. Yeah, we we, we won with a last minute penalty, but Leicester's xG was not point one in that game. We completely blunted them, and we were utterly dominant. And yeah, we sneaked it, but we should have had it fucking wrapped up. Well, and I think it's the same in the Spurs game. You know, we can see in the yeah. first minute, and we go on to dominate for the next ninety-four. Well, the thing is with Spurs, you can there's lots of things. There's lots of things you can point to around Spurs, around their 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 form and their away form and whatever else is going on in that club to kind of you know maybe discount that performance. But at the same time, you're right. It's it's just another example of where we might not look like we're playing particularly well, but how fucking hard must it be to play against us is the thing. Well, they can't. I mean, teams can't. They're, they all crumble. In the end, they all crumble. They all get, they all submit because they can't keep it going. I mean, it's too much. And, you know, you see it now time and again. Whether it's Sheffield United's keeper bundling one in through his arms, 
whether it's um, Mane scoring in the 94th minute, whether it's Divock scoring a scissors kick in the 95th minute, whatever it is, this team just keeps keeps coming and keeps coming. And in the end, you know, it's like Gary, Gary Lineker's quote. Wasn't it Gary Lineker who said, um, yeah, we all, we all kick a ball about for nine months and then Liverpool win? And that's like, like it was in the 80s and that, that's like it is now. Let's, let's hope it stays like that, but that's how it is. You kick a ball about for 90 minutes and Liverpool win. Yeah, so um, well, we've got, we've got Genk in the meantime. I expect us to just absolutely hammer them. Um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll, we'll coast through that one, I would say. Yeah, that should put us in the driving seat in that group. Um, and then we've got a couple of games after that, but sure, we'll fucking cross that bridge and we'll come to it one, one team at a time, as the manager says. But um, I mean, are you confident for the City game? I'm confident every time I watch the Reds play now. I'm confident when we're losing fucking 1 0 with five minutes to go. Like, what, well, you know? Yeah, it's mad, huh? It's, it's true, but it's mad. It, it's, it's just mental, you know? you know. Even watching Spurs, we won't 1 0 down. And even with, like, you know, 15 minutes to go, I'm like, we're, like, we're definitely going to win this. We are. And the thing is, like inside the stadium, everybody felt like it, the atmosphere was just like, we're, we're definitely going to win this. There was no moaning or groaning or, or impatience or anxiety. It was just, yeah, we, we, know, we, know, we know it's coming. We can see it's coming. Because, and, and the thing is now as well is, you know, it's right up until the last minute. Do you know what I mean? Right up until the last minute. And you know Spurs late late winner, Arsenal, Origi, you know go back to Leicester as well, and then you look at look at your or you look at look at Saturday and <clears throat> don't don't leave the stadium. No one leaves the stadium early. No one switched their TV off early. No one fucking leave the pub early because this team just keep going and going and going. And, and people have their issues with with various individual players and and whatever whatever that may be and for whatever reason that is. But you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting on board with people giving anybody abuse for for the capability they are as a footballer. They are the footballer that they are, and they're as good as they are. But there's not one player in that team that doesn't fucking knock their absolute bag in for the cause, and doesn't leave any doesn't doesn't leave the pitch without giving fucking every ounce that they have before they get hauled off, before they drag themselves off it. So. You know, there is no one can have any complaints about any part of what's going on on that football pitch at the moment. No footballer's perfect. You're always going to want one more player, two more players, a better midfielder, you know, a better goalkeeper, whatever it might be. But there's no player in that team that doesn't fucking want to kill themselves for the club. And I can't right now ask for more than that. No, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a great time to be a Liverpool fan and, you know, we're going into the, the biggest game of the season next weekend, six points clear and, you know, with a good chance to put real distance between us and, and what people are calling the the best Premier League team there's ever been. So what would that make us? <laughs> the best Premier League team that's ever been. There you go. So, and on yeah. that... Yeah, so on, on that 
Um, yeah. Um, on to Genk. On to City. Onwards and upwards, the Reds go. So, until after Genk, uh, up the last minute, last minute, 90 fucking 800 minute Reds. 